We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 523 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dan Hilton, and you know since you clicked on the video or tuned into this podcast that we're talking about El Clasico today. And dang, did that one sting for Kool-Aids. That one really stings. I mean, it really stings compared to other recent results. So many times these two teams have met recently where I felt... Barcelona lost the match because they weren't in the right phase in their project or they were the, not the better team. And then when Barcelona did get the win, I feel like, yes, they were the better team. But today, I talk a lot about deserving things and 1-1 would have been a fair result in that match. But as we know, football isn't fair sometimes. And there were some huge, this is a positive here, there were some huge Barcelona performances to talk about and some things that I think Xavi should probably take with him. We'll talk more about that on the podcast as well about lessons for Xavi to learn. That'll be the main focus coming out in a few hours after this even. But of course, we have to discuss at least here in the five headlines where it all went wrong. Again, we'll do that on the podcast too. But before we get to those five headlines, one last thing, you know how picky I am with sponsors. So it is with great pleasure that this podcast is sponsored by Sane Pictures and their film Pele, Birth of a Legend. While this movie was made back in 2016, Pele, like Maradona, and then Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo someday, these figures and their stories are evergreen in the sport we love. And you know me and my love of history. I feel like we know the legends of the past. We know the broad details, Pele, Brazil World Cups, Santos. But I think what gets lost is the fact that all these legends tend to come from different places in different times. And there is so much leading to those moments we know about that we tend to forget. He was the only player to win the World Cup three different times. It feels like Brazil has always been a power in world football, but that's not the case. And this is the story of Pele's beginnings, how he became the football player the world grew to love, and how a teenager led Brazil to their first World Cup. It redefined what football could be, an attractive playing style, Hoga Benito, the beautiful game. So check out Pele, Birth of a Legend by Imagine Entertainment, the team behind Apollo 13, A Beautiful Mind, and Friday Night Lights, and Sane Pictures, founded by listener and fellow Kule, Ivan Orlik, with a musical score by two-time Academy Award winner A.R. Rahman. It's available to buy or rent most places you can settle in and watch a movie. That's Apple TV Plus through the iTunes Store and Amazon being the big ones. So again, thanks to Ivan and Sane Pictures for sponsoring this video. You can follow at Sane Pictures on their IG page for more updates on other projects as well. And after you're done listening or watching this, and after you're done listening to this, make sure you check out Pele, Birth of a Legend. All right, now time for those five headlines. 
Headline one is Xavi's first half plan. I know that we're going to jump to the end, and there's a lot of criticism that is coming. The manager at Barcelona's way, yes, it's coming. That criticism later on. But the problem is that Barcelona played so well in the first half, that's where I start the five headlines. Xavi's plan was right from the jump. Barcelona were arguably not only the better side in the first half, but they arguably played their best half of football in this season. There were so many different variations and phases of play, and it seemed like Xavi had really set his team up to figure out everything that Real Madrid was going to throw at them. When we talk about formations, and I throw those numbers at you and things like that, and even you look at here at the starting 11, whether you have to question if Barcelona was in a 4-3-3 or a 5-3-2 defending, and then a question of could Xavi get his team set up in that 3-2-5 on the attack and put pressure on that back line from Madrid, would that be worth the risk? Or do you keep everybody at home? All those different questions... The answer wound up being all of the above, depending on the phase of play. Barcelona did a good job in that first half to arguably great job in that first half, dealing with that press from Real Madrid as if they had learned the lessons against Athletic Club and used that film and that experience wisely to figure out how to deal with the different phases that Real Madrid, of the pressure, I should say, that they were going to put them under. And in the same way for Barcelona when they were pressing, 16th minute, Cruz thought he had a lot of time on the ball, but Gabi wins it and Fermi Lopez hits the near post. And if that goes in, it's 2 nothing. 16 minutes into that game, all because of that press. And Ferran Torres, excellent. I know it's weird to hear Ferran Torres be the first name I really go in on for Barcelona, but how important he was with his work rate off the ball today really does make me wonder about that question. That Do you just want to give more time to João Felix and Ferran Torres and Rafinha or some combination of that and bring Lewandowski back into the team as slow as you possibly can because Ferran Torres, while the goal may not have happened, Barcelona play as a better unit, as a team. They played so well with Ferran Torres, pressing, defending the way he was. If you're going to be the one when your team is defending in what is a 5-4-1, as Barcelona were at times, even in that first half, they got into their shell well against Real Madrid, didn't allow runners into the central channels. And then Ferran Torres, that means you as the one have got to work hard. And that's not something Lewandowski necessarily does anymore. It's difficult for Barcelona to defend in that 5-4-1 because yes, Lewandowski does try to hold the ball up, but his first touch lets him down at times. And I think Ferran Torres arguably does have a better first touch than Lewandowski either. And that does help Barcelona kind of sustain that pressure and get into that next phase of play when Ferran Torres drops in deep. When Barcelona did have possession too, Ancelotti then would drop Valverde deeper to deal with Balde and Jao Felix on Barca's left wing, and it was a huge difference between the first half and the second half. Valverde barely could move the ball forward. He couldn't dribble in the space. He is much more like a De Jong type midfielder where he would prefer just to have the ball at his feet and dribble into that space as opposed to letting go a 30 or 40 yard long pass or a thing of beauty in behind the back line. But in that second half, he had that 70 to 80 yard run because that space had all opened up in ways that we're going to discuss later on. Barcelona also in that first half were not giving the ball away in dangerous areas. All their clears went to the wings and Real Madrid would either have to reset or there'd be a ticky-tack foul or something that would stop play and just muddy everything up on the wings that Barcelona can handle anything through the central areas in a way that in the second half, that also all flipped on its head. The Barcelona were clearing to the middle of the field and Real Madrid were just coming right back down Main Street right at Barcelona's defense. Headline two is Gundogan's first six-minute Barcelona, not only did they get their lifeline, but they 
showed that being on the front foot meant they could also score on the front foot because Gundogan's goal comes from the first real buildup from Barcelona. This was a weird El Clasico in the beginning, at least the first six minutes, when nobody really had possession. It was just messy, and it seems like both teams were kind of having a hard time finding the game. But in that first real buildup, Barcelona were patient, but not too patient. They were moving the ball quickly, but they weren't forcing anything. And there were some really good passes in this buildup. Araujo up the line. Fermi Lopez controls, gets the switch to Inigo Martinez. Then Gundogan starts the move. Torres layoff, bounces off Chuamani. So a little bit of luck there, but it falls perfectly into the path of Gundogan. Alaba tips it, but Gundogan keeps it under control and puts it past Kepa. Big moment for him. Big moment for the German. I thought he was good. Not great, but good overall in this game. One of his better showings in a Barcelona uniform. Clearly, he's been playing a bit too much too. I thought his legs got tired for that second half. I know the result says what the result says at the end of the game. So the second half does matter. But overall, I thought Gunawan was good in this game and deserved his goal. And makes a little bit of history too. Not that many Germans at Barcelona over the time. So just want to mention two I've already mentioned here on the channel when you go back through history. Udo Steinberg had two goals in 1902 and scored that first ever goal in El Clasico back in 1902. So cool to bring up his name again. And then Bernd Schuster, who played for Barcelona and Real Madrid. He had one goal in 1980 and another goal in 1988. Usually the best German players have stayed in Germany historically, especially in that, we'll say, golden era of German football in the late 60s and certainly throughout the 70s and early 80s. But it does sound like I'm distracting myself a little bit from getting into the headline. So here, headline three, it's a big one. Headline three is Gabi versus Bellingham. This wound up being the matchup of the game. I had that sense going in. Gabi, I thought about it more and more, but because of Koundé's injury, because of De Jong's injury, Pedri's injury, Barcelona entered this game with Gabi having been their best player of this season so far. And Bellingham, obviously not only has he been Real Madrid's best player, he has saved them point after point after point, but... If Barcelona was going to be able to, in any way, stymie what Bellingham does, then they were going to win this match. And that's exactly how this played out. Barcelona, they made sure that Bellingham was quiet. He didn't do anything because Barcelona's number six was on him every single time he touched that ball in the first half. And Gabi, an excellent job. I mean, a masterclass in how to man mark, but also close space and cut down passing angles. A wonderful job by Gabi here in that first half, and even the second half, too. We will talk about those goals, of course, from Bellingham later, but I want to, again, just focus on the first half. We're focusing on a positive for a second here. Gunnar and Gabi were excellent dealing with Real Madrid's press in the first half, to the point where I think Xavi must rethink the entire way he sets up his midfield rotations when Pedri and De Jong return. Gabi says he can play deeper. I mentioned that yesterday in the preview that he had just said that, that maybe he's most comfortable as a deep-lying midfielder. And I think he's onto something. And I think it's time to start to begin to agree that he has improved and matured and progressed now to the point where this was his eighth El Clasico. So it's so weird to say he's a 19-year-old veteran, but he is. His game management and know-how and understanding of these defensive phases has gotten better and better and better and improved. And it's not just him flying in for tackles and things like that. His timing and understanding of the opponent's ability to find space has gotten to an elite level. And there was this moment here in the first half where Gabi usually hands off the opposing midfielder when the opponent recycles possession. Then he'll come out to the winger or whoever it is, the fullback, and he'll put the press on in that way and try to close down that passing angle. But he didn't do that in this game. He wasn't handing off Bellingham. He would just allow 
it was usually Mendy there on that left side when Bellingham would shade to the left, and he would allow Mendy to then be on the ball or allow Alaba to have to come forward, or he would allow Cruz to kind of be on the ball for a little bit, which usually isn't a good recipe, but Cruz didn't have the best game today. And Bellingham was much more important just to stay with than it was to worry about putting Cruz under pressure 45, 50 yards and out to the wing from Barcelona's goal. There are so many moments I look at in this game that if the two goals from Bellingham don't happen, and again, that's a big if, they didn't happen, but 53rd minute, the tackle from Gabi, first time that Bellingham got in behind, but Gabi still makes the important tackle. 60th minute, Gabi just picked Bellingham's pocket and got the full stadium chanting his name. And at that point, yeah, of course, it was full of belief. And the narrative to me felt like it should at least be written. I know it's been rewritten by Bellingham. And of course, non-Barcelona and all other media will tell you how this game finished because of Bellingham and what he is. But Gabi, to me, was still the man of the match from a Kool-Aid perspective, of course, but arguably it was tied. Yes, Bellingham scored two goals. He deserves the man of the match, but this, to me, was 50-50 throughout that match, and I can't say anything more without jumping to the end of these headlines. There was another important battle, though, that also defined this game. Jao Felix and Cavajal there on Barcelona's left side. There was really good skill from Jao Felix a number of times in this game, just against Shakhtar Tanesk, as I mentioned. He was getting tactically fouled. He had that move over the top. Good skill in the 28th, but goes down too easily against Carvajal. And it felt like when the 90 minutes and the dust had settled that Carvajal won the individual battle. But I didn't think Jacques Felix was by any means poor in the match, but he didn't have the impact he needed to in the way that Carvajal did. So Barcelona losing that matchup, Carvajal against Jacques Felix, where I would have said that if Barcelona held on for one nothing, that Carvajal being Real Madrid's best player would have certainly fit Barcelona getting the result that they needed, of course. But then at the end of a game, Carvajal also gets the assist, and now we have to have a referendum on what Jao Felix didn't do in this game. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Headline four, when momentum shifted, and this is also where we shift from talking about the positive things about that first half and about what Barcelona did well that again, are some of the lessons that Xavi could take with him to where it kind of all went wrong. In the same way, it kind of started from the opening whistle where Real Madrid, they did have a plan to not be troubled by Barcelona's home 
crowd and kind of find ways to make this game sticky when it needed to be. And you wondered the role that Gil Manzano would have in this game. And he had a tough job, as he usually does, from almost the opening whistle. Vinny Jr. was lucky not to get a yellow three minutes into the game, kicking the ball into the stands. And then Vinny Jr. kept falling down, as we know, over and over and over again, having that chat with Xavi. And while Vinny Jr., sure, he knows how to antagonize not just Barcelona, but the rest of La Liga. That's part of what he does. Sure. I mean, Neymar did the same thing. And Luis Suarez does the same thing. A lot of players know how to be the antagonists and take the pressure off their teammates. But a distracted Vinny Jr. in that first half was supporting Barcelona. That's a good thing. Barca, meanwhile, though, Vermin Lopez, lucky to not get a yellow 12 minutes into the game for a poor tackle on Chilmani, but still got the yellow in the 17th for the next one. At that point, it was six tackles for Barca, three for Madrid within the first 18 minutes of the game. But by the 60th minute, it was 11 for Barca, 10 for Madrid, and things had really evened out by that point. And both these teams were prepared to take tactical fouls. And both these teams had players that were kind of going down easily. There were calls for simulation, sure. But I thought Manzano, when dealing with all of the flopping and going down, staying up and things like that, I think he had a lot of tough choices to make. I think he generally got them right. With the exception of at halftime, was Ronda Araujo pulled down by too many on the corner kick? Yes. Yes, he was. That's a penalty. That's a penalty. Ronda Araujo was a smaller man, let's say Fermi Lopez or, or Gabi, or let's say he was a number nine, like a Lewandowski, or a guy that the official on the far sideline is looking to to potentially be the goal scorer, even though Araujo in that situation was the guy. I'd say going in, Real Madrid are not good on these corner kicks. They've been struggling on set pieces this season, and this was that moment. And I think Manzano got this one wrong. Like, I know that he doesn't want penalty like that to potentially decide El Clasico, but other things decided El Clasico on the smallest margins. That's what this game is, and I think that's a penalty there. Chuamani has his arms draped over Araujo. He affects his jump, pulls him down, and Araujo did have an opportunity to play that ball. And that's maybe what VAR said, that they didn't feel like Araujo had a chance to get that ball. I disagree. I think Araujo could have jumped and had a play on that ball, and that would have affected that ball potentially going in the back of the net. And Chuamani prevented him from jumping and doing that. And I think that is a penalty. And even if Manzano doesn't call it, I think there is enough there for VAR to call down to him and have that one overturned. I think that is a missed call. So Barcelona had to rue their chances and they knew that Real Madrid were going to reset and come back better in the second half. And they did. Madrid started the second half on the front foot, pressing better. And Rodrigo scoring a shot instead of getting it over to Vinny Jr. was, I think, the first warning shot for Barcelona in that game. And then Ancelotti, known for knowing what buttons to press for the right players. First sub, Kamavinga on for Mendy early in the second half, really changing a lot of the dynamic for what Real Madrid are doing. Kamavinga was then pushing higher up, and he was more impactful in Barca's half by coming inside, which did mean that Cancelo could have won that game for Barcelona. But I think the issue here is that by playing Cancelo as a right winger, it worked with the press, it worked in all those different phases in the first half against Mendy, but then against Kamavinga, that's where things got really interesting, where Cancelo had to be your game winner. Cancelo wanting the ball to his feet denied Barca any outlets going forward on that right in the first half, which again, they could live with. But there in the second, you've got to get in behind Cancelo in that space and not having a proper winger, because even with Rafinha coming into that game, Rafinha wasn't getting in behind Kamavinga either. So you had to exploit that space in any way. I would have actually switched Rafinha and Lamini Mall in that circumstance, because Lamini Mall, I do trust a little bit more to get in behind. The one moment that Cancelo did get in behind the 59th minute, he was offside. Fed by Fermi, nice move against Kamavinga, but Cancelo skied over anyway. Either way, Cancelo was much better the moment that Kamavinga came on the field, but just couldn't win that game for you. 61st minute, Lewandowski on for Torres, like for like. As I already said, Torres had run himself on empty, which is still about the same level of pressing that you expect from Lewandowski. And we did see that that came back to hurt Barcelona. 
to the point where I even wonder, I know you don't question Lewandowski. And if you got the game winner after it was 1-1, then you don't worry about it and you don't think about it too much. But did Ferran Torres still have enough in that tank to run himself ragged in a way that Lewandowski coming back not fully fit and not really known for his pressing either would have still put more pressure on Real Madrid? I don't know about that. You don't want to overexert Ferran Torres, and you do expect Lewandowski to take some pressure off with his ability to be in the box, to be a presence up there. But this is one of those decisions that I don't know if I would have put Lewandowski in, even though Lewandowski was already warming up to start the second half. I think that was always going to be the plan, and maybe it shouldn't have been. 63rd minute, Ancelotti continues with his subs, Josuelo and Modric on for Rodrigo and Cruz. And then the 67th minute, with Modric entering that game, Real Madrid had taken control. Ter Stegen had to parry away a long shot from Chuamani, and that goal from Real Madrid was kind of coming. Modric did, in his 500th Real Madrid appearance, did what he does for Real Madrid, and he took control of that game away from Barcelona. The 1-1 for Real Madrid, 68th minute from the corner, Barcelona struggling to pressure the ball, as I said, and Gabi's clearing header didn't find a teammate. It was cleared to the middle of the field, and nobody stepped up in Gabi's stead. I said he was Bellingham's shadow. And Christensen and Fermin Lopez a little bit late to him. And he absolutely, that being Bellingham, puts his whole boot behind it. 12 goals in 13 games. Excellent player. Nothing but compliments for Jude Bellingham since the moment he arrived at Real Madrid. He has become a super, 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 superstar. But Barcelona were not pressing well. The sub battle at that point was lost by Xavi to Ancelotti. And that meant that there was no one closing down Bellingham in that space the way that Gabi did to an expert level in that first half. I mean, if I'm Gabi, I'm saying, should I really have been the one to dive in with that clearing header? Or should I have just run to Bellingham? Because he was the only guy for Real Madrid who seemed to be able to do anything in that game. That's not on Gabi. Gabi, if anything, with that clearing header, was the only one trying to save Barcelona, and nobody filled those gaps. That is unfortunate. That is a great goal, but there was a breakdown from Barcelona. 71st minute, or Romeo on for Fermin Lopez. For Fermin, just a good overall performance, but he had to come out in that game at that time because he had already run himself ragged. If he's going to put himself in goal-scoring positions like that and defend like heck the way he was, which he did, credit to Fermin Lopez, he can't play a full 90 minutes. And this is a really poor performance from Ordo Romeo, a far cry from the player that played well in the preseason friendly against Real Madrid. And he has been poor in October. He was good in August, good in September, but maybe he's playing too many minutes. I don't know. He played all 90 minutes for Girona last season, but I'm wondering if playing twice a week now instead of just that one weekend game for Girona last season is what he is not prepared to do now in his 30s. I wonder if playing this much is having an effect on him. But narratives could have shifted if he put that goal in late in the game. Alaba blocked his late shot, and that could have changed the narrative completely. I know we're still going to see it a poor game, but if that one goes in, and at that time, remember, that would have been the winner. That would have been the 2-1, likely, and do Barcelona hold on in that moment. But unfortunately, that's what-ifs and hypotheticals because it doesn't go in. In the 88th minute, Chilmani's tackle on Arbor Mayo almost gives Real Madrid their winner at that point. Indigo Martinez gets enough of the ball, though, against Asuelo to save Barca some early embarrassment in the 88th minute. Going back to the 76th minute here, Rafinha and Laminimal on for Jao Felix and Cancelo. Laminimal makes history again as he becomes the youngest player ever to play in El Clasico. And I saw two different records here. I know that he breaks the previous record held by Barcelona player Vicente Martinez from 1941, which you've heard me mention him before. That big moment in El Clasico has got him a bunch of different records. But I also saw that it was actually a record from 121 years ago and becomes the youngest player in the entire history of all El Clasico, surpassing Alfonso Albanese, who played in that first 1902 version of this tie that Steinberg wound up scoring in. 
So I actually am not sure what the actual record is, but either way, Lamini Mall either makes history that's a 120-year-old record or an 82-year-old record. Either way, Lamini Mall makes some history. Unfortunately, he could make more history by getting a winner. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Headline five is lucky and good. If you're still here with me, then you're probably a Kool-Aid who roots for FC Barcelona. So I don't need to spend too much time reminding you of this final goal. With the small margins in El Clasico, I already mentioned that Chuamani took enough out of Raul in that corner kick right before halftime to get a penalty. But Ferratore is basically canceled out by only getting a yellow for a wild tackle on Vinny Jr. seconds later. There are small margins in El Clasico. One bounce wins you these games. And it didn't go Barcelona's way. 51st minute, Fermin Lopez to Nego Martinez off the post. Araujo's follow-up stopped by Kepa. Lucky moments for Real Madrid defending. Gabi's shot goes wide in the 80th minute when he had time on it. Fermin Lopez had a lot of time and space on an earlier ball on a shot that just went wide as well. There were moments that Barcelona had that they needed a little bit of luck to help them out. But as I already mentioned for Bellingham on that first one, Yes, he's a little bit lucky, but he's also very, very, very good. And this is what that 92nd minute is. He makes his own luck because, again, he's lucky and he is good. 2-1 winner, Romeo and Igor Martinez get caught with Bellingham running in between them. Again, Romeo for the second straight game does not track the runner. And I think for Romeo, he was on the back foot. Bellingham also is a lot quicker and definitely had forward momentum there in a way that Romeo didn't. But Inigo Martinez kind of gets caught by the deflection. Inigo Martinez was where he needed to be at that near post. But because Modric gets that deflection, it means not only is Bellingham definitely onside, but it falls perfectly into his path for the finish. So a lot of things had to go right for Real Madrid there to get that winner in the 92nd minute. But Barcelona also, by losing control in that match, and Modric being Modric, being a difference maker for Gosh, how many years in El Clasico continues to be a difference maker? And Bellingham is looking like he is going to be a thorn in Barcelona's side for a long, long time. This felt like a huge game. It is a huge game. And we're going to talk about the La Liga table and what this means for Barcelona's season overall, what this is going to mean in the long run for the next few months even, and the injuries, yada, yada, yada. I think all the big picture stuff I'm going to save for the podcast, which will be out in a few hours. I'm going to be recording that very shortly. So make sure you subscribe to the channel or again, subscribe on any of the podcast apps that you're listening to this. So you make sure you don't miss any of that or follow me anywhere. Patreon is how you listen to these without the ads, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. That's how you know when there's new stuff out as well. Or again, subscribing and following along on podcast apps or on YouTube. That's the best way to make sure you see everything that I'm coming out with. Most importantly, though, win or lose in El Clasico. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the Barcelona podcast, as always. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon at Forza Barca.